Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to this period of preparation that we enter into. So we're engaging in a process that's going to span the next 40 days because the events that we're entering into 40 days from now are the most significant events in the history of the world. Nothing, nothing comes close to Passion Week itself from Palm Sunday all the way through Crucifixion Friday and Resurrection Sunday. That's the single, that's the capstone of our faith. That's the defining moment of all defining moments. And the church, for 1,694 years, has set apart a period of time that said, prepare yourself for Easter. You can't just rush into it. Like, it can't happen for us, gang, that we just wake up on, like, Easter weekend and go, oh, it's Easter weekend. No, that's not, like, this so significant. The church got together, and the leaders got together and said, we're going to come up with a season, and it's called the Lenten season. And the word Lent means renewal, revival, like spring. It comes from the root word for spring. So just like eventually even here in Indiana, the land will yield to spring at some point. And from this frozen tundra of winter, the ground will bring forth new life. And the church leader said, that's a good word to pick for spiritual renewal and for the season of Lent. And so this is that time of year where we focus on renewal. And the entry point into the season is what we're doing tonight. It's called Ash Wednesday. This is our third Ash Wednesday service. So we're playing catch-up a bit, 1,691 years worth of catch-up. Um, for whatever reason, I think the Protestant church has kind of struggled to grasp what the historical significance, and some of you come from faith traditions where Ash Wednesday is a part of your journey, but for a good portion of us here, this is kind of a newer experience for us. And so that's what tonight is. It's, a, it's the threshold of entry in to this season of preparation where we're going to believe God and expect God to do a work of renewal and revival and to bring some new things to life that's all rooted in what we'll be celebrating in 40 plus days from now. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to Acts chapter 10. Just want to frame our Lenten season this year around a passage in Acts 10, beginning in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So a centurion is like a Roman army, like a general, so he would typically have a uh, hundred or so soldiers underneath him. And so this guy was a well-known leader in the Roman army, and he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. If you have your Bibles, underline that phrase in verse 2, prayed to God regularly. And then in verse 3, I want you to circle the phrase one day. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctively saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. I imagine so, right? That would be the definition of a unique prayer time itself, right? What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. 
Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. So you see, and then the story goes on. So, so here's the context of the story, right? So Caesarea, it's an important port city. And in 2017, during my sabbatical, I was at Caesarea. That's we landed in Tel Aviv. And after 28 hours of flying and sitting in airports, we took a bus and we walked out on this port city, Caesarea there. And Herod the Great built this city under Caesar's directive. The original vision of this port city was that it would become an entry point for all of the West to come to the East with all their commerce. And Cornelius' house is in this port city. Now, I want you to think of the irony of this now. So here's Cornelius. It says a God-fearing man. He doesn't know the name of Jesus yet, but he's praying to God regularly. He's seeking. He's pursuing. And simultaneously, God's at work in a man named Peter's life. And then he speaks to Peter a little bit later in Acts 10. And he sends Peter from Joppa to Caesarea. To Cornelius' house, to this very piece here. Show that picture. I, I stood in Cornelius' house. So that was after traveling for 28 hours, so no mocking the outfit or anything else going on there. That was a rough. So we went from airplane to bus to here. It's about 90 degrees, and our tour guide said, you're standing in the piece of real estate from which their best estimate is. It's Cornelius' house we were standing and get this, this is where the gospel went from east to west. So from that piece of ground is the definition of how we're all sitting here several thousand miles away from Jerusalem. See, up until now, up until this period of time, followers of Jesus were Jerusalem-based and Jewish-centered. It was geographically centered there, and it was strongly Jewish in its roots there. Like, basically everything was centered around Judaism there. And then Jesus comes on the scene. He's resurrected from the dead. He ascends into heavens. And now the book of Acts begins to move. So here's the key movement for the gospel to go out. Cornelius, who's praying to God regularly, an angel visits him. And one day, one day, and then simultaneously, Peter's 32-ish miles away. There's no explanation for Peter to be interacting with Cornelius. There's nothing, there's nothing about that that would be normal. A Jew would not interact with a Roman leader like that. And Cornelius would not be inviting him into the home, and the Jew wouldn't come into the home unless God was at work. And here was the picture, right? So Peter goes to Cornelius' house, tells him about Jesus. Cornelius and his whole family become followers of Jesus. They're all baptized. And from the piece of ground that Herod the Great and Caesar said, we're going to bring commerce from the west to the east, isn't it just like God to say, no, actually what I'm going to do with this port city is I'm going to send the gospel from the east to the west. And here we are, a living testimony that the gospel has come to our land. And it began in a Roman soldier's house named Cornelius. And so I think that phrase in verse 3 is just filled with so much hope. And so here's, here's how we're framing our Lenten season. We're calling this the one-day season. 
See, see our role is Acts 10, verse 2. The, our role is what we're going to be doing tonight. We're, we're going to consecrate ourselves tonight. That's what Ash, Ash Wednesday is about, a, a period of consecration, of, of setting ourselves apart for God to do some work, of, of praying to God regularly. We're the consecration, like Joshua 3, 5, when Joshua said to the Israelites, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord's going to do amazing things among you. Our role is 10, verse 2. We're to be consecrated, setting ourselves apart. And as we do that, as we pray, as we expect, as we believe, then verse 3 can come. One day. Any old ordinary day can become a one day. One day God breaks through and breaks in. One day the addiction is broken. One day the relationship is reconciled. Right? One day the prayer request is answered. One day the provision is given. One day that person who you just couldn't ever imagine bowing their knee to Jesus comes to Jesus and says, save me. One day. Any day can become a one day, church. And so for 40 days, we're going on a 40-day prayer challenge. Believing in these 40 days, there's going to be many one days. And so that's what's on your chair. Will you pull out your prayer card for me now? You have, already have it in your hands. It looks like this. I have Lucy Langybartles. Miss Lucy, you did such a great job filling yours out wherever you're at in here, Lucy. She wrote on her, this is so, here's what we're going to do. This is our one-day prayer wall. How cool is this going to be through the 40 days, all right? So we're all through the course of this evening, I'd like you to spend some time reflecting. Sometimes we need to pray about what it is the Lord wants us to be praying about. So you might need some space tonight for that, and that's what we're going to create here in a few minutes. But we'd love for you between now and the end of service to be able to walk up to the one-day wall and place your one-day prayer card. On this side of the card, we'd like you to write down something that you're believing and asking God for breakthrough-wise. Now, I want to stretch us a little bit with this. I want us to push beyond just maybe the, the everyday ordinary stuff, and I want us to push us to something maybe a little bit bigger and bolder to the point where if it happened, the only real explanation is God, like Acts 10 stuff. Like if Cornelius has a man named Peter come to his house, and he's a Jew, and he's a Roman soldier, the only explanation is one day God broke in. You with me? So be thinking a little bit bigger, a little bit bolder. It could be something very personal. It could be something family-wise. could be something church-wise. Whatever. I feel like the Spirit will give you wisdom on what to put on your one-day prayer card. Now, give some thought to how you word it because it's going to be posted publicly. Everybody with me here on that? Like, just give some thought to how we frame up our prayer requests and Perhaps we don't have to use always a name for that. We could, you know, we don't have to use a personal name in there. If it's someone, you can keep it generic so we can respect the fact that this. So what we're going to do with this prayer wall today is we're going to fill it up tonight. And then on Sunday when you come to church, it's going to be out in the atrium. It's going to be displayed out there for the rest of the Lenten season. And we're going to add to it on Sunday. And then as the prayer requests are answered, here's what we're going to do through the Lenten season. We're going to come into the prayer wall we're going to turn them over as their answer. What are you going to see? By God's grace, right? You're going to see an everyday, ordinary day becomes a one day. 
one day. For Lucy Langebartles, Lucy said this. I actually says, I actually want two things. So she was saying, you know, encourage us to think about one thing, but like Lucy said, I need two things. I want to help the poor. Isn't that great? And then one day, I want sin not to be a thing. How old are you, Lucy? Where's Lucy? How old are you, Lucy? Seven? That's pretty strong for a seven-year-old church, huh? I want sin to not be a thing. Anybody else there? Wow. Lucy, I can't wait to see how the Lord's going to deal with this in your life and on this journey. And we want the kids to participate. So I'm so glad kids are in here, students, kids. We want this to be a whole church thing. Because here's what we want you to know, kids and students, that our God is a prayer-hearing, prayer-answering God. That you can believe Him for big things. That He can come through in ways that you can't understand. He can move some mountains. He can take your praying to God regularly in verse 2, and He can turn it into a verse 3. One day, He breaks through and breaks it. One day, He heals. One day, He restores. One day, He comes through. One day, He provides. One day, He reckons. One day... We want to enter in. I want to. I want us to enter in with a great expectation. Let's expect us believe God for some big things. There's some big things represented just in these chairs tonight. Some of you journeying through so many layers of stuff where you need God to come through and come in. Let's put these on this wall and let's see God come through. And let's give Him glory for it. I think we're going to see the wall change colors. I thought about this image of you know what? Some of us are going to have a card up there. And it's not flipped yet, but I think what the visual is going to be is cards all around it are flipped. And here's what I think that can do. It can help fuel just a little more faith. You know what? Maybe tomorrow's that day. Maybe next week is that day, right? This one flipped. Maybe this is the next one. You with me? That reminds us that God is hearing. He's kind of, Maybe he hasn't come through on this one yet, but he may. And that's the role of the community. And so for 40 days, we're going to work the Acts 10-2 muscle and pray to God regularly. Circle this, circle this in prayer. 40 days. And so we're going to give you some space tonight because I know it's a big deal what you write on here. And we've created the room set up tonight in some different stations to help us in different ways because tonight is about consecrating ourselves for this journey. So obvious communion tables are here and those of you who've been around Eagle a long time, you know this is how we do communion here. You don't have to be a regular part of Eagle. Uh, Just participate and be a part of our family tonight. But we do want to encourage you to take some time and, and prepare and examine and reflect like what's going on in your heart. That's part of the preparation for the table. So we want to give some space for that. And this is where confessions about, like the Bible talks about confessing our sins to each other. So we've got a confession station set up tonight. We're going to have some folks back there. So so Brad's going to be back there, our middle school director. So students, maybe you want to chat with Brad a little bit about something. He's going to be hanging back there. Travis and Hannah Bryan are going to be back there in that station. One or both of them, I think they're growling kiddos as well. But we'll have some people back there confession station, you want to have a conversation with someone, just talk and pray about some things, that's there. And then we got Dan and Jesse Westland going to be over in this area. Jim and Kathy Hurst are going to be, these are healing stations, so they're healing prayer. So we believe God still heals today, and we believe if you've come with something and you need prayer, physical, emotional, spiritual healing, relational healing, you can come and 
visit with either of those folks and they'll be glad to anoint you with oil and pray for you and pray with you. And then there's a journaling station back over here in this direction, and that's a space for you. Maybe you're someone who likes to express in writing. There's some paper, some pens, some place for you just to kind of write out your thoughts, your prayers, confessions, your preparations for this Lent season, however you want. That's the journaling station. And then the, excuse me, the last station, I'll be right over here. And for the first time here at Eagle, we're going to do the imposition of ashes here tonight. So I'll be here to do the ashes Certainly you don't have to do it if you don't want to, but if you'd like to come over to the ashes station, I just want to explain for a minute or two kind of what that's about. Because for those of us in Protestant circles, we don't have as much background on it. And so we had to go to like Catholic bookstore supply house. Jana helped find the ashes. We didn't know how, how do you get ashes to do the imposition. You got to order them, you know. And so you get the ashes and they're, uh, the, the backdrop is they take and they, they make the ashes out of the previous year's palm branches and palm leaves from Palm Sunday. So they grind those up and they uh, burn those up to it and then they create ashes. So in most settings, uh, what's being uh, placed on the forehead are the previous year's Palm Sunday uh, branches to just tie in the significance of what that means. And then it's rooted, right, scripturally, ashes carry a significance on two fronts. The ashes represent Genesis 3, from dust you have come and to dust you will return. So Ash Wednesday is about remembering that our physical body on this earth is coming to an end. No matter how many miles you pound on the treadmill, no matter how many carbs you count, no matter how many gallons of spinach you eat, your physical body has an end date. You are mortal. It is fading away. The ashes remind you that from ashes you have come and physically from ashes you will return. So it's about reminding us of the reality of death. That's the first part of the ashes. And then the second part of the ashes is to remind us of the repentance of sin. So all through scripture, right, you can remember like in in Daniel would say, I repent in dust and ashes. What's all that about? So all through the Bible, there's this dust and ashes and repentance tie. So the churches use ashes to help remind us that we are fallen people and we desperately need grace. And so the symbol of the cross is what I'll place on your forehead with these ashes. And I'll just say a brief word to you as you come for those ashes, something along these lines that those who, those who die with Christ rise with Christ. Go and live the gospel. Something like that. So that'll be the imposition of ashes station rooted in the reality of our physical mortality and the repentance of sin. That's what the imposition of ashes is about. So I'll be hanging out over there. While all of this is going on, this is going to be your time and your space. Worship team's going to be up here. They're going to lead through several songs. But this is for you, and you can do it as family units. You can gather with friends, life groups, alpha tables, however you want to do it, but spread out all around the room. And perhaps when you get to the kind of to the end point, maybe make the communion table your kind of final step because the communion table itself then becomes when you tear off that broken body and you dip it in the juice and shed blood. It's the culmination of the act of worship. A lot of these other stations here are here to help prepare and to examine and to reflect. So maybe make the communion the capstone. And then if you're ready and prepared, you certainly can come and place your one-day prayer request at the wall. And then we'll come back to it at the end of this evening. On your way out, you'll be able to do that as well.
Are we clear? What's going on? Let's stand together. I want to pray for us and then just dismiss us to these various stations. Station hosts, you can go ahead and make your way to your stations if you can and be available to them. And Let's pray together. Jesus, we're so thankful for these moments together. Thank you for the significance of this season. I'm just believing, Lord, that this day could be a one day. Tomorrow could be a one day. I'm believing for some breakthroughs. And pray for us as a church, as families of individuals. We consecrate ourselves, Lord. That's our role. Your part is to do amazing things. You are an amazing God. You are powerful. You hear our cries for help and you come through and answer with awesome deeds of righteousness that take our breath away. And we pray this Lenten season, we'd see these 40 days filled with that. So we set ourselves apart now. We give you this time and space to do that. Prepare our hearts in this act of worship, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat just for a second here. Just going to send us out. We're ushering in now, right? This is the threshold into our 40-day season, and we're declaring a one-day season. And so to help us work these muscles, we're going to declare that 10.02 is going to be our marker. So 10.02 every day, a.m. or p.m. or both, you get to decide. At 10.02, you pause whatever you're doing, and you just whisper a prayer wherever you're at. And you circle that in prayer, whatever you put up there. 10.02, because that's Acts 10, verse 2. Cornelius prayed to God regularly. And you know if you pray to God regularly, then irregular things start happening on a regular basis. So that's our role. We pray to God regularly. 10.02 every day, and we believe this, 10.03 can come. Verse 3, one day. Today could be one day. Tomorrow could be one day. Next week could be that one day. Amen? We can do that together? 10.02, whatever you got to do. Good use of our phone alarm, right? Right there, 10.02. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, pause, circle, whatever you put up there in prayer. And then I want you to consider perhaps um, maybe integrating a fasting step into this season. Press you a little farther beyond chocolate and caffeine and Starbucks and that. Um, but press into something maybe that's going to help you carve out some attention and space and time for prayer. And what would help you do that? Maybe it's a meal. Uh, maybe it's a meal a week. Maybe it's several meals a week. Whatever you want to do. Maybe it's something with social media or electronics or what is it going to help redeem some time and attention around the things you feel like the Lord is stirring up for this Lenten season for you. And let's just believe God for some really big things during these 40 days. I think it's going to be really, really powerful. And as you come in through the 40 days and God does one day break in, you flip your card over and let that be a testimony that he's a prayer-hearing and prayer-answering God. Amen. Let's stand together.
continue to leave the space open all around the room. If you didn't get time to get to some station you wanted to, all of the, we'll just leave these spaces open. Justin will just continue to play lightly and just let this be some sacred space and uh, continue conversation and prayer if you'd like in that. I want to send you out with a benediction from Jeremiah 33.3. Jeremiah said, call to me and I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And so may the Jesus who made the Lenten season not just a tradition, but a lived reality. May he bless you in these 40 days ahead with a time of spiritual renewal and revival. May he dig out your ears to hear his voice afresh. And may he open your eyes to see and may He come through for you in ways that you will declare sometime in this Lenten season that He has displayed great and unsearchable things that you would declare He is amazing and prayer hearing and prayer answering. Go as a one-day people.